be shift boss. Okay, radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. There's a chair in the vet bag. Yeah, stitch her up there. Thanks, mate. Yeah, right, hey, copy that. Right, Eric Sarrell, founder of Ride the Wave. Is that is that an official title? Oh, of course now it is. It is it's, now. Yeah, it's it's big. It's a registered bigger. a registered uh, <laughs> or non-registered Facebook uh, messenger group. It's it's madness. I've been invited in. I cannot keep up. There is some bloody info in there. Yeah, it's a good mix of people from all sorts of backgrounds, from pure finance professionals to a lot of mining engineers, exploration geos, geophysicists, metallurgists. And yeah, even though that's their profession, they all come from a lot of different companies. And so, yeah, we share a lot, lot of sort of ideas and have a lot of discussion and it's just can be a bit madness sometimes but it it's is fun it is right right give the spiel what is ride the wave yeah so i started trading as most people during sort of covid um and realized trading like, trading stocks not trading yeah. items not gum tree sort of stuff no, no <laughs> stock market we're yeah. talking stock market of course yeah so trading stocks um I was particularly for my background in mining and kind of really fallen in love with mining and did have a background in mining engineering and finance from UWA. It's easy to fall in love with. It's fucking greatest industry in the world, I reckon. Yeah, I think it's one of the few industries where like people on their breaks or when you catch up for beers for someone, if they're in the industry, 80% of the commerce is just about mining. It's like uh, every day someone learns something new or everyone's just always keen to share about that so yeah very easy to fall in love probably a very pragmatic sort of industry so i think that's why people mm. enjoy infectious it. too i think yeah yeah for sure that's right another thing yeah so ride the wave so I tr started trading and then it was just too hard to keep up with everything whether that's like a new opportunity or a company putting out an, an announcement uh the details of that announcement um different commodities doing different things um, the trends in commodities or like the trends in ESG and so on. So it's just a nightmare to try and understand all of that. So I kind of started the group with that intention to for people to kind of share ideas and also help each other find the next 10 bag. Um, and then, yeah, so that was the purpose. And then it's kind of morphed into something a bit different as well. Now I would say a lot more, uh, there's a bit more of a social aspect to it where all of us are kind of meeting up regularly for beers and also talking about like the next job we're going to or a deal that someone is just completed. Um, so yeah, an exciting time. The group is mainly 25 to 35 year old individuals. Uh, so very like early stage in the career, but also in probably pivotable area, pivotal areas. Oh, so I'm bloody old. I'm the oldest. I'm, th I'm 135 this week. So I'm the oldest in the group. Ex Far out. An experienced professional. And the most immature, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, I've come in with a bit of a bang. I was, I was like, oh, I'll probably get kicked out pretty quick. But you've left me in there. Appreciate it. Oh. Appreciate it. Like I would say, as you said, diverse background of pe people in the group. We're talking engineers, mining folk, finance, bit of everything, eh? But, but, but I guess the common theme is people that are interested in trading resource stocks is that that the main aspect to it i think that is the commonality that everyone does have but um that and also just being interested in economic 
sort of trends or political sort of trends that can affect the stock market. And like I add, add people to the group and if they don't uh, provide any sort of engagement, I normally kick them off. So that's probably one thing I do as well. Like to kind of keep it, it's always weird when in, in, in a group or something where like some people, are, when some people aren't contributing. Um, so yeah, diverse thought, but if you're not contributing, I would say the main aspect then get kicked get booted what um what are you going to do when six thousand people fucking hit you up for an invite after this episode <laughs> Jeez, this could be like some marketing that you didn't want yeah well we'll see if they're good i'll do my <laughs> dd and get them in but you got to yeah. put in a yeah everyone you're gonna have to put in a proposal probably a, a carton of piss might help <laughs> carton of chooks to mr samuel here might help you help your cause help your application Nah, a good stock tip. Good stock tip, a 10-bagger. Yeah, a 10-bagger or yeah. and you're definitely in and the first beer will be on me as well. <laughs> <laughs> What's, so have there been any – how long's the group been around for now? Uh, about a year and a half since 2020. It's had like multiple reiterations, but now it's kind of yeah. more mature. Um, I, I have noticed – I, I, I'm a very novice investor, very novice, made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I did notice when I went in there, extremely out of my comfort zone. I'm like, holy fuck, these people are on a next level. It was just, I'm like, I'm, I realized how much I did not know about the resource and finance industry. A lot of new acronyms and words, and it's pretty, it's pretty high level chats, I'd say. 100%. And it's also, Again, like you say, like I hope you're learning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but there's no um, there's a, there's no fuckwits in there in terms of I I and I ask some basic questions uh to get people's opinion and um people and everyone goes down to the to my level and, and explains it, which I really appreciate. That's what I like about it. Hundred percent. I think like sometimes you know a a technical professional would be like ah, oh, um, ask a basic finance question. Um, and then a finance person would reply, and I think in a very, in a like yeah, in a nice way, not being a dickhead. And same way, maybe a finance professional asks, "What's like a maiden resource estimate or a jock report or like uh, what's pyrite or uh, you know something like something a more basic question that a geo would reply to." Mm. So yeah, because it's hard to like try and pick up be sort of even competent or understand the language between geology, mining, engineering, metallurgy, and finance. So, yeah, it's like you can ask like a simple, yeah, sometimes it's better ask, to ask someone that is an expert and then it'll give you sort of hopefully a decent answer that you can use than you spending hours on Wikipedia trying to like figure out figure it out yourself and then just, or not even try doing that. I think that'd probably be worse because it's a lot of effort, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, because I'm so fucking lazy. Oh, I just that's why I ask questions. I'm like, someone can just give me the answer or do the work for me here. I'm so lazy; it's ridiculous. Yeah. The has there been any ten baggers? When we talk about now, ten bagger for everyone is like a dollar share price goes to ten dollars. That's a ten bagger. The ultimate dream as an investor. What have there been any ten baggers in this year and a half, or that have uh, people have got on from the ride the wave group? There have, don't think there've been too many 10 baggers in the last year and a half in the stock market, um, that, which is 
not particularly help the group in that timing aspect. But there, I believe some people have 10 bagged on Caspin, Caspin Resources. Um, What's the ticker? Um, C, I can't, I don't remember off the top of my C-A-S, head. C-A-S, yes. like, is the, that's how you spell it, right? Yeah. C-A-S-P-I-N. Uh, but I think they have a neurology play to another 10 bagger in Chalice. Um, so um, that, that 10 bagged and probably apart from the 10 bags, probably a lot of people at least have got like, sort of 50% returns in the last two sort of being in the group, whether it's like for one example, good example was probably PDI, Predictive Discovery. Yeah. They have a project in um, in West West Africa um, in, and they, a lot of us were following it about- Cas CPN. Yes, sorry, CPN, the, Casper. Casper resources, yeah. CPN. Uh, PDI, yeah, West African play. Um, they had a project with uh, an MRE, a maiden resource estimate coming out. Um, and we were all kind of in at 12 cents and we were all keeping close eyes on that MRE. And then it went to uh, 12 cents to 20 cents. And now it's at around 21, but it went eyes 28. So a lot of people have doubled their money in that, I would say. Uh, another one was not probably 10 bag was probably West African resources. Uh, we all got in at around, uh, well, sorry, not all, but yeah, a couple of us um, got in at around 60 cents and it's at $1.20 now. So a lot of double your money's. Yeah, yeah, nothing uh, in the, wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, those are both, yeah, sort of two examples I could give off the top of my head, but yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to give notable, a couple of notable shout outs from the group. I'd say Maddie Vincent, very active, answered a lot of my questions. Absolute, seems like an absolute GC. Uh, an acronym I use on here, you'll figure out what that means. But it's the highest accolade a, a person can get in the mining industry, a GC. Um, yeah, no, he's very, he's very active and he gives me some good detailed responses, I think. Because one of my questions the other day, which I thought was, I'm like, this is, I'm sure there's a simple explanation, but I could, like, with nickel going absolutely off its tits, the spot nickel price up near bloody 100 grand, it's back to what to look at before, 47,000 a ton. And I'm just like, why the fuck aren't the nickel prices, nickel shares stocks going up in accordance with this nickel price going off its head? And Matty gave a good response about, you know, people are locked into contracts, big. No, spot price doesn't affect explorers and everything, things like that. And that's that's what I found the group so bloody good for. I'm like, this just doesn't make sense to me. But once it's explained by someone with a good, a big finance background or in that profession, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think- Who would have thought? The nickel one, obviously, the last few days has been very interesting where it's gone from uh, $28,000 uh, USD to $100,000 uh, USD, and then they had to cancel. They had to suspend trading mm. on the LME. Um, well, that, then, as you, said, as you yeah. said in the gurus, you rarely ever see a commodity price get a speed ticket, speeding yeah. ticket. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sight to behold. It's yeah. beautiful. And then, yeah, but the some some nickel companies have even gone down. I think Nickel Mine, NIC, has gone down because um, one of their offtake partners was shorting nickel, and then obviously. Yeah, when you short something and price rallies, they're gonna they're gonna feel some pain. And so I think there was the market was reacting to the fact that they were a bit worried about their off-take partner. So, so it, well, in that that 
big Chinese mob that's up for five billion in losses because of their sh- the short position they held on nickel. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So, yeah, there's a lot to it. Just you think nickel's going up, all nickel companies would go up. No, maybe no. you put you know you put a big bet on one of them without doing your DD, your due diligence, um, and then you get slammed. And that's kind of why you use the group as well to sense check and to see if there's any like devil in the detail that could actually. You know, you lose, you make you lose your house on. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Off take partners. Explain what they are. Yeah. So, so it depends on the commonly commodity. used word I've seen yeah. recently. Off take. It depends on the commodity. It can be you can have an off take partner um, from a lot for basically a lot of the commodities. Um, they, um, for instance, if there's a lot of companies with downstream and upstream processes um some some miners don't want to that's not what they're good at they they want to focus on their mining they want to focus on the resource and how they get the ore out of the ground they don't necessarily focus on uh taking on the risk of producing taking nickel from from grades of 1.2 percent or whatever they have in the ore to uh 99 percent uh battery battery gate nickel because um, that that's a lot of risk. That's a lot of capital. Um, so, and that's not what they have the expertise in. Um, so they try and find someone that would take their nickel at sort of um, a reasonably processed level and ship it to them as an offtake. And that offtake partner will then try and get more value out of that metal from their own sort of processing. So that's how, how I kind of look at it. Um, and then also one particular aspect about the offtake partners is um, during when a when a company is going when a explorer is trying to go from um, when they've got a resource and they want to go to becoming a developer they need a lot of debt normally during that phase to go uh, from they got to use the debt and they got to raise a lot of money basically to build their um, their production plants or so on. So yeah. it's essentially any any mining company that produces a concentrate that they ship off, they ship it off to an offtake partner, and they do the rest. Yeah, simple way of putting it. Hundred percent, and yeah, and if you even get offtakes in iron ore, probably, uh, you know, it's just still a form of like shoring the downside of your supply risk, so that you can pay your debt a lot of the time or get mm. enough money to raise your debt. So that's where a lot of the time offtake comes in. But then also, yeah. There are only a few countries in the world, for instance, that can, um, yeah. So it's probably, yeah, they've specialized and it's where you want to play in the market. Yeah. So that and and uh, the offtake agreements between the companies and the downstream, uh, the downstream refineries or however you refer to them, they're, they're all very, very different. I assume they're never the, there's very unique offtake agreements. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's it's a very big processing. Yeah, there's a lot to it, and again, like I'm no metallurgist. That's probably more sort of where the metallurgists play. Yeah. Um, about yeah, sort of what product they would want from a mine, and how where they see the end product is going to go, um, and then from there as well, you still need to after that you've got to manufacture something out of it. So it's the whole supply chain, and yeah, and again, yeah, so yeah, that's what. I've sort of pivoted to doing recently, trying to understand more about supply chains and uh, the entire so supply chain of nickel or iron ore and so on. Um, 
and try really understand the macro drivers there. And especially now where we're seeing with the Ukraine and Russian conflict, um, there's a lot of supply chains being impacted. And so there's a lot of opportunity, uh, even though the market looks like it's going down day to day, there's certain companies that are well poised to like make good money off this Russia and Ukraine conflict. Um, I mean, it's sad to sort of make money out of a conflict, but mm. markets uh, markets are kind of agnostic to what's the sad or bad. It's that's just well, yeah, money being transferred around. Yeah, when you look at remember the I assume you've watched the Big Short, the <laughs> then you remember the the two fellas, Jamie was it, Jamie and oh, whoever they were, the young fellas, Brownfield Capital, they're like bloody you know high-fiving each other in the casino because they made this massive bloody deal to um short the double a bonds and oh brad pitt's like you know like you know like you're, you're celebrating the fact that people are going to lose homes jobs and people are going to die because of this bloody recession so it's yeah it's pretty it's pretty sad when that's yeah people are making shitloads of money off other people's bloody misery which is what's going to happen 100 percent. and i think he has a good line it's like play the trade but don't celebrate mm. very iconic and a very what did he say he said just don't fucking dance yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it was a good movie yeah i love that did you watch margin call have you ever seen that uh i think a while ago that was like it's kevin spacey and it was more a more dramatized version of the um when the bloody JFC hit. Oh, it's fucking awesome. That was a good one. I, I used to watch that in bloody Envisage making millions and then it's probably the worst thing I fucking ever did. Yeah. Oh, bloody CFDs. Jeez, <sighs> didn't they fuck me in the ass? You ever yeah. touch CFDs? No. Good. Well, you're smarter than me. There you go. <laughs> I think they're good if you're like, if you, you know, got a good risk profile. You're not putting bloody put two percent one or two percent of your capital in on one trade and whereas i was putting bloody probably 50 to 100 <laughs> so that's where it fucked me over yeah and yeah i don't normally leverage but i do take risky bets but um yeah i think i heard your story about cfds oh. and i was like yeah i think yeah just going back and well firstly I'm glad to kind of be on this life of mine podcast. Like, well, you wanted to have a yeah. beer, and I, I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have enough time to have casual beers. So I was like, if anyone wants a beer, they got to do a podcast. Pretty much, yeah. it's a good deal. I reckon it gives me content, and you get the beer. It's win win. Yeah, it's fucking great. And for me, it's like I still I have very good memories of when 2019 when I started BHP, getting my operator time, driving trucks, and it was driving trucks is painful. That's uh, fucking shit. It is terrible, but like yeah. to get like some good podcasts on, really like makes a difference. Frosty uh, didn't bloody hit a wall, go to sleep because my early ones. I think, I, think I, I lacked a bit of um, enthusiasm in my voice because I was trying to figure out how the hell do you do a podcast. I listen back to them like, oh, this is <laughs> friggin' horrible. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I hope I hope I got a bit more enthusiasm in it now. You've Got to get your body into it. You got to really fucking like you sweat sometimes doing an intro. A hundred percent. I think you've always been energetic. So yeah. I never came Thanks, across bros. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so from that to kind of being on this now, it's been a good been a good ride. There you and go. To it. And, and you get free schooners. Yeah. How good's that? And I know it helps a lot of like, the other uh, sort of grads and younger professionals as well. They definitely, we all talk about it. And we all, oh, do you what, listen to this podcast? Well, it's like, what do you what podcast do you listen to while you're driving trucks? Yeah, yeah. That is like the common thing. Some people like their murder mysteries and 
some people like those are the ones that i particularly target if you're doing something mining and listening to a mining podcast i want you in the group yeah yeah <laughs> then you, you go. <laughs> prerequisite yeah you got to subscribe to the patron program before you get into the ride the wave as well <laughs> yeah there you go yeah <laughs> download yeah. the pod boon app uh so let's talk about like i guess we can talk about specific stocks whatever but i want to get it because as you said, it was like very mining based the podcast now, but always there's so many people in the industry like, oh, I want to bloody buy shares, want to get into investing. And like, God, if they're getting advice off me, I'm a very novice beginner investor compared to the high level guys in the finance industry, like you, like yourself and the Ride the Wave community. Um, that's why I want to get do plenty more of these yarns this year and get it get in the get some insight into you know what to look for what are the buddy I'll get a few tips and stuff but get inside the head of you know what investors are really looking at to nail down is this a, a good stock stock or a shit stock your the ride the wave group the stocks you used to talk about pretty hard to sum up. But what, what are you looking at? What are you looking for to say, right, this could be a next 10-bagger? Like, I know there's shitloads, but what are some of the big things you're looking at to see where you're going to put your money in the market? Yeah, I think you can, people always say you can, the sort of common phrases are you go top down or bottom up. So top down is more looking at the macros. Um, you know, top down as well as like looking at which industry you want to sort of play in so you know there's so many obviously there's so many industries there's the tech industry there's the mining industry there's uh, retail and so on um and then from there you try and look at that industry and the subset of that industry so with mining um there's a lot obviously with the, you could probably start with commodities um and then from the commodities you kind of start looking at the number of players the big players and the commodities and so on and to get big they've obviously you know, and they've had to do something good. They've had to do something special or in a way to get that, to become that big. Um, so they have characteristics about how they got that big. Um, so you start looking at that and yeah, you try and pick, try and figure out, You probably it's going to be hard for a stock to maybe go from a junior miner to the next BHP. Um, but you know, uh, you, you don't have to, if, if your goal is to kind of get a 10 bag again you don't need to a junior miner to 10 bag for it uh to become the next bhp to kind of get that make that returns you can find a junior miner that becomes an ex mid-tier like a a northern star or Sa previously a saracen and a pilbara minerals um and yeah so and those are all companies that have been around like the last 15 years so yeah yeah, you got to understand the timelines about when things have temp ten bagged as well. Rare things ten bag in a year. It has happened recently in the last five years or so. Um, so again, but again, if you don't want things to ten bag, you might be looking at uh, you're gonna you want to earn a decent return. You firstly want to earn a return over the bank rate. Why would you be investing in something, um, putting putting all this effort in where you can just put your money in the bank um, and get a return? Um, so again, you would super, look, like, for instance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it depends what return and the associated risk you want to take. Then you're sort of looking at um, the companies that you want to pick as well. So that's probably a bit more fundamental. So looking at yeah, industry, supply chains, players, and so on. And then the bottom bottom up, you would be looking at 
sort of maybe just you look at management, see, you know, maybe they have uh, an interesting character that has done something big before. Maybe, you know, like um, you can see a lot of times when Bill Bennett and, well, not a lot of times, but currently when Bill Bennett and Rayleigh moved companies from Northern Star uh, to develop and Genesis, that caused a lot of jump in their share price as well. Uh, so yes, yeah, stop. Sometimes stocks can jump purely in that. So that sort of news. So that's more looking like like ground up sort of management and um, sort of bit more maybe technical analysis as well. Um, more yeah. And the other aspect is you've got to look at the company's structure and how many shares they have on issues on issue. Like if they have billions of shares on issue and their stock, if their prices, um, if they prices are worth in the sense the share price is worth in the sense um sometimes um yeah it can go up but then it can hard it can be hard for it to move as well uh, and stay up as well so you're looking at the share structure and the company structure and that's uh, how tightly they they're held by the i guess your top your top investors exactly that affects the liquidity Yeah. yeah so yeah looking at uh, what institutions or key investors, key high net worth individuals have bought into the stock. And clearly, if they've bought into other stocks that have done well, they clearly might have some knowledge. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then- where, where do you find the info of the top shareholders of a company? Yeah, good question. So it should be publicly released. So sometimes if it's not in the report, you can actually email the director of the company asking for it. And there are- Yeah, yeah I didn't know that till I found- It was in the group as well. I know- people in the group that just message directors and so on asking, oh, can I just get the, they'll message them about a particular announcement or message them about, yeah, email them, sorry, about announcement or getting their top 20 shareholder list and they have to provide it. They have, so, to, they have to buy yeah. it or provide it. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, but and otherwise- that, and, that's a, and that says who the shareholders are in their percentage holding or just who they are. It'll say the holders based on their corporate entity they have. So maybe, uh, you know, like some of the funds you could probably pick out, like they can say that this corporate entity is this fund, this institutional yep. fund or, or this private equity fund. There's a key private equity funds that more specific to mining, um, resource capital funds and uh, APN capital and EMR capital. So those are more mining specific funds. So if you see them on the registry as well, you're like, oh, these mining finance specialists have put some money here. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, then, then there are other high net worth individuals, you know, Creasy, for example, Mark Creasy, um, um, this whole other bunch of well-known sort of mining professionals that obviously buy, they obviously have a punt as well. And so uh, you look for them as well. Um, but their entities might not be like, it's not going to be Mark Creasy thing. It'll be mm-hmm. like a Creasy entity. Like, you know, it could be in his partner's name or some other name. So you've got to like look at that as well. So, yeah, that's another aspect that you go down to see if a stock's good or not. Yeah, because I was, I was looking at that because my missus, she holds our shares. Um, they're in her name. But can you, do you know much about bloody trusts and everything? Um, I'm no tax. Can you act like you do? No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just call it gossip. Yeah, because yeah, uh, the... They say always put the shares in your bloody, you know, the lower incomes, lower income earners name. So capital gains is you, you pay it on your, it's like your 
any other gain where you paid on your based on your marginal income. So if you're earning no marginal income, um, sorry, if you're not paying, sorry, it's based on your marginal tax rate. So if, um, yeah, you're, you're on the top bracket of uh, the marginal tax rate, I think it's 45%. 45% as you are. <laughs> How I'm, I'm no good. I'm, I'm on low jumbo rights. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, say you make a hundred thousand. Sorry, yeah, a hundred thousand dollars on a share, and it's in your name, and you haven't held it for a year. Um, you get you'll pay the your the tax you'll pay is the same. The tax on that hundred thousand would be. Um, what your marginal rate of tax is, so 45% of 100 grand. But if you held it for more than a year, you get a 50% discount. Uh, in the self-managed super fund, because you don't have, you can actually create a, a uh, you can manage your own super. Uh, mm. I'm not saying people do this or anything. You definitely talk to your financial advisor. Mm. But I, yeah, I trade off self-managed super. And in that, the income, the tax rate on a self-managed super is a lot lower. Go see an accountant if you yeah. want to know the bloody answer. It's exact, yeah. But there you go. Well, they're, they're, well that's answered my question. Anyway, they're in your missus' name. So chuck them in your missus' name. There's first tip. Well, chuck them in. If you've got a stay-at-home missus or you're the stay-at-home husband and your missus earns shitloads, you get the shares. Yeah. So. Or you can start um, a trust fund. Uh, so you put the shares in that entity and then you can start a company that holds, the, that yeah manages the trust fund. So- the, the shares actually the the because a trust you need to distribute income every year um, but you can distribute that income into a company and that company can hold the money so it doesn't get distributed every year yeah. and then eventually when you say you want to take a year or two off or whatever how many years you want to take off then you, that company can distribute it to its shareholders and you would be yeah you would be the shareholder so then you could distribute it then so you could time your um you can time, yeah, when you kind of want to take long extended breaks and uh, to paying maybe less tax. So that's another way as well. Again, like, look, this is another reason I started right the wave. It is like to get every year these tax laws change, trust fund, oh, super oh, fund. Actually, that's it. I've figured out what I'm going to post tonight because I've got a trust as well. So I'm going to trust that. Right. What's the best way to struck if I've got a bloody family trust, I've got a company, I've got individuals, what's the best way to buy shares? Yeah. And the other option is you Matt buy- Matt Vincent will answer that for sure. <laughs> his, 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 his name is actually Matthew Hogan. His Facebook name is Matt Vincent. So- He's, well, I, but, mean, I know him as his um, online pseudonym. <laughs> 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 You've probably fucked up his, um, his he had that- Pseudonym. Anonymous bloody name on Facebook and you've just bloody debunked his cover. Dodgy to be doing that. You he, might, have- he might keep- kick you out of the bloody ride the way <laughs> he's got a bit of pull he does <laughs> no but yeah there there you go um now what about let's look at as an example um i guess you're famous um i guess well you're not well known mining stocks that have gone up fucking shit loads like northern star mineral resources pilbara minerals um what do you think separated them from the everyone else and why they went so well. Um, are you talking just stock recently? 
Nah, just a long, long term. Like look yeah. at like look at it like over the last decade. Because like mineral resources, they're going up fucking shitloads. Yeah. So over the long term. Yeah, mineral resources was actually my first gig. Um my first FIFA gig did vacation work with them into commodities and iron ore and lithium. Um I think mineral mineral resources is a very interesting company. Um their founder, Chris Ellison, uh, is is a very much like a deal maker, very much uh uh, I don't want to say like a Twiggy, but I don't know how to say it. I don't know. He's a deal maker. He's a wheeler and dealer. He's a wheeler. He's a wheeler and dealer. Yeah. Uh, so, again- They for- own 15% of developed too. That's pretty fucking interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 13, 14 or something? Mm. Not too sure. But yeah, I think- 14% of develop, yeah. I think they've got. But I think, again, to- What is a, what is a stock? A stock is sort of um, equity in a business- Right, so a business needs. At the end of the day, it's whether the business is making money, and to make money, you need good managers, and you need them to have good vision, and they need to make right place, and a lot of time, right place, right time, or a bit of luck, and they do well. So, I think over the years, the management team at MRL and Chris Ellison, like, have you know, they've tried to, they've had. They started off doing a lot of mining contracting and so on with um, doing infrastructure and piping. And then they went into, um, they were building camps and then they decided, you know, um, yeah, we're going to go into mining now. So people, they're probably like a very opportunistic business, very dynamic and so on. So yeah, so that's how they've kind of grown. They have the, they have the vision of the founder to kind of grow and become bigger and bigger. Um, so that's throughout the years kind of made them, I would say, increase their share price. Uh, Pilbara Minerals, again, they just, they were one of the first movers in lithium. Um, so yeah, they, um, they really saw the trend coming in, in the world, I, I would say. And then they positioned themselves for that trend. And that's kind of how they kind of really in the last few years generated a lot of value. Well, it's MRL, Mineral Resources, over the years, over decades, have kind of grown slowly, slowly, slowly. Um, so, yeah, again, um, yeah, I think if that answers it. What about, what about Northern Star? Like they're, again. They're, uh, oh, they've probably got a lot, lot of patience with their, like, the acquisitions of the, the Barrick projects and like Jundee from Newmont. Like, off the, they've essentially built their businesses off uh, – taking these big assets off companies that don't look at the shitty little bits of grade because they're obviously their overheads are a lot higher and they're like we can make fucking money off all this and literally how they built their bloody business look at them now 100 percent. very big fan of the northern star story uh yeah i think again a wheeler and dealer in bill bennett and beamant (laughs) sorry and then um they yeah they saw an opportunity where some of these companies, these big companies, multinationals were more focused on their bigger, bigger assets and more focused on maybe core operations outside of Australia. And they were in a time where they're going to shed it. And they had the right team at Northern Star to kind of pounce on that opportunity. Mm. And they had like the management and technical expertise to kind of get the best value from that asset. And then they slowly just started, they started off with, you know, they slowly worked their way up to the super pit acquisition where at the start they were just buying sort of mid-range smaller mines. And then 
over time, they just slowly got buying bigger, bigger, bigger assets. So caught a very snowball effect. So yeah, and I think they were just hungry. So that's probably another thing with these. With I would say, yeah, that sort of story. Yeah. So the, the super pit that's going to be a fucking interesting long term because you would imagine there is fuckloads of gold under that pit. Yeah. I, I, uh, speculating here, do your own research, everyone, but I would assume that at the bottom of that pit, there is a fucking lot of gold underground. That'd be pretty exciting. Yeah, it's a great little story. I think the super pit, I think if you look at the history, obviously very key to Kalgoorlie and West Australian history, but it was a, a recently, you know, found out, or maybe not recently, things. Alan Bourne had the idea to actually... There were, I think there were a lot of different... Well, uh, yeah, there was all different yeah. little mines everywhere owned exactly. by different people and Bond just bought a lot of them and Faze yeah. just blew the living fuck out of the whole thing and made a big pit. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so... Pretty much sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, he did other things as well. He almost... He had a big stake in BHP, Come mm. Bond. So kind of... Again, for... Have you, have you watched that Bond... Um, Docker? The Docker? Oh, I don't think I have. But it's I've, good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think I've seen. Uh, no, I've seen the Don. Yeah. What do they say? Because Kerry Packer says you only get an Alan Bond once in your lifetime. Because yeah. what did he? He sold Channel Nine to him for shitloads and then bought it back for fuck all. Essentially, because yeah. Bondy was a very egotistic by the sounds. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably another thing. A good way to see um, how companies are going to do in the future is kind of look at history. Kind of like see. The people that are, you know, mimicking Alan Bonds and uh, Lan Hancock and Twiggy and who are there? There will be another one of them. Um, so, yeah, and so kind of see how sort of history might repeat itself, or history might in the good ways and bad ways, and try and yeah. It's a fucking big feat to try and. I suppose you've got to make a very conscious choice to take on that lifestyle. Not for me, but um, <laughs> so to become one of those leaders, those like, oh, what would you call them? Beyond entrepreneur, more a mogul. They're, yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. 100%. But I don't think they're any like smarter than. Oh, no, no. It's not, it's not brains. Yeah. It's, it's risk appetite and yeah. dedication and balls. Yeah, vision and fucking hardworking. Yeah. Like, no, you can't, you can say, you can tell, you can say what you wanted, whether they were lucky or not. Not a thing, but you can't take away the fact of a fucking hard working. Well, you look like at Elon Musk. He said he was uh, he was sleeping in his office uh, each night to yeah. maximise his productivity. Yeah, so I he didn't have to go home. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably the that's an interesting one. I think like with Elon, you, you the average person is never going to be an Elon, but the average from like listening to podcasts, for examples, from uh, a lot of sort of directors and so on. Like, you know, and that have created a lot of wealth from, again, Bill and Rayleigh and uh, Ken Bridston and so on. They they seem like normal blokes. Obviously, I'm sure they're, they've got their nuances and they're very, again, like, they, uh, they, yeah. But from their stories, I think it's like, why can't any of, you know, any of my peers or myself try and replicate what they've done or replicate a part of the success and again it's through podcasts and other media outlets where you learn these stories and you realize ah oh, this is actually achievable like if you dedicate your life to it and over you have time to do it as well we have 30 40 years in your career from 
you know, maybe you start working at 25 and your retirement age is 65, you've got 40 years to sort of have a vision and try and go for it. And mm. again, I think like with these podcasts and so on, I think these visions have become a lot more attainable. Well, look, look or, or I've had Greg Lighton on here before, you know, he, he does the Inner Chief podcast. So, and he interviews CEOs of varying industries. He's done, he interviewed Scotty Williamson the other week. And it's good listening because listen to Scotty's one. Obviously, interviewed him on this and <laughs> interviewed him plenty more times, hopefully. But it's it's so good listening because uh, all the CEOs and MDs, they all got different things that make them tick, but they're, they're high, very high-performance individuals. And as you said, listening to the story and realising what, you know, what makes these executives go flat stick like I do and how do they maintain their bloody, you know, their health and wellness and the keep their bloody mental stamina. Like it's it's pretty, it's unbelievable what they do. But it gives you inspiration to think, oh fuck, I reckon I could do that too. I don't want to I don't want to do that. Um but you do by the sounds. <laughs> yeah. Bit sure. of a vision. Yeah, I think it's like I have this sort of saying it's like you grow old when your dreams die. So I want to have a big dream and then for the next uh, decades chase that dream and um, also do it with a bunch of uh, of my peers as well. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, well, what's the dream? Get, yeah, it's, get rich as fuck or what's the? <laughs> I I think it's 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 to achieve. Uh, the goal is to like, yeah, have make an impact and achieve. And my and the way I want to do that is through the mining industry. Um, and my goal is to create a billion dollar company. Ooh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> that yeah. is the goal. And uh, you know, I think. Uh, got 40 years to achieve it and at the moment i have a lot of great peers as well all very intelligent so i think why not like i've been at why not yeah why not perfect yeah i think yeah being at bhp i see a lot of people like a lot of teams i've been in like and a lot of people are solving billion dollar decisions uh you know whether it's to buy a big mining asset that's billion dollars or put more capex into it to get the most out of it it's like everyone's solving billion dollar decision um decisions um yeah i want to solve the decision but also have the set myself up to get a lot of yeah to be exposed to that um to that upside as well yeah so, no, that's my sort of thinking the wasp back hello dear <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah if you have anyone in this podcast out there that kind of is like-minded would love to talk to them or help anyone else that's done something entrepreneurial and um, would like to help some young professionals up and coming um, please reach out yeah nice what uh, so you're gonna or as you said you're gonna use the mining industry as the base for this but what what what, what things fly around in your head are you looking at to like develop an like asset a mining asset or like a uh, supply product or what's in your head how, yeah. do you, how do you tackle this little dream you've got? Yeah, I think I've looked at different things, whether you want to be a service provider and what you want to, you know, if you're looking to, I think you've got to start white. So my thing has been looking what, how, what, what does value everyone I can fucking bring? need right yeah. now? What yeah. I can, what value. Battery metals. What value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, again, with that battery metal sort of play, it's like 
if you could position yourself, if you could figure out what the ne- in five years, what the next trend is going to be mm. and position yourself then or five to 10 years, you can, you could do well. Because uh, the BHPs and the Rios, they're a bit more slow um, at making decisions or buying, going into a trend because they, they're not the trendsetters per se. They're kind of normally following trends now. Um, mm. So, so yeah, for me, I'll probably say I want to do something in the junior space. Um, probably, yeah, try and find an asset or find a deposit, um, bottom-up approach. Um, Jeez, you'll plug the fuck out of that on Ride the Wave. Once you get, <laughs> you'll be just like, oh, has anyone covered, uh, <laughs> what is it, ESM, Eric Samuel Mine, whatever the fuck it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll see what the name is. The ticker can come later. ESM. Got to be, yeah. RTW, no. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's... It's for me, it'll probably be something in the junior space, uh, whether again, I can get a group of people to put some money in. And that's another thing. It's like when you get a group of your first project, when you're trying to maybe raise a million dollars, um, it's a lot easier to do it with a hundred people and everyone putting in 10 grand, than 10 people putting their house on the line. And then if that goes bad, like emotionally, you're going to be screwed and like, so I think the first one you want to spread the risk as well. So yeah, but and also get some people involved in the skin of the game and sort of use their knowledge, use their um, brain capability, and try and figure out this problem. So yeah, probably try and do something in the junior space. You you sound like a the you going into the finance world and from an engineering background, you like the Indian Scotty Williamson. Oh, you're yes. doing the pivot. <laughs> you're doing the pivot. Next step is whatever. 100%. The next black star. Yeah. Resigned from BHP yesterday to go into that. So look out. Yeah. The pivot. As he says, he talks about his pivot. He does. So good on Friday for me. He's a good, bloody good man. Hey, this will be out. You're already been there. This will be out next Monday. I'm trying to. I'm actually keeping a, a constant release of Monday midnight. Hmm. Yeah, because before it was like I'd either do three in three days and then nap four weeks of nothing. <laughs> yeah, someone told me it's like a fucking thing you're supposed to do. Yeah, I should have listened early on. Oh, that'd be bloody exciting! Imagine if in fucking five or ten years' time, this billion dollar company is here. I'm like, we talked about this <laughs> on Life of Mine, <laughs> the big dog. Don't you forget about me when you get massive. <laughs> oh, no, I definitely won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still be in the chat group. I might, you know, might need a GM for the mic. No. Gee, oh, no, fuck that. That's why I do it. I'll, I'll go do some rehab on the jumbo for you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. It's, I don't know. In my head, it's just like, fuck, it's such a big commitment. People that are you know, executives and managers. And I, because if I, that, the reason I don't want to do it is I don't want to have to give the podcast away because I can't really, I don't think I'd be able to hold, yeah, hold a managerial position or an executive position while having this podcast that I can be pretty free speech in bit of a i just don't think it'll, i'll be able to do it yeah, I, I think about that as well but that's I think my about, excuse anyway yeah, i think about the fact that like you know a lot of people work two weeks on one week off three weeks on one week off doing 12 13 hour days it's rarely a 12 hour day yeah. on site it is 12 and a half 13 mm. and like managers you know obviously they're t- putting in a lot of hours around the clock um and they, you know, it's a lot about like productivity and a lot about what you, how you sort of, what 
what you're tackling every day. But I think a lot of people in the mining industry, they work fucking hard. Mm. So, yeah, I think maybe, it's, yeah, it can maybe be an excuse where people think um, they can't do something because uh, the hours are long or it's a thing. But you're working long hours either way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's oh, like, but, yeah. but I, um, I've got the privilege of... I do my shift and then that's it. I don't get called about anything. Whereas managers are on call all the time. And then I've like, oh, I reckon I'll probably do more between working away and and the podcast. I'll probably do more hours than the fucking manager anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but I bloody absolutely love doing this. I enjoy it. So it's yeah. like, fuck, why change something that you enjoy? Yeah. Yeah. That's my my thing. Because if I had to go and if I had to go do that, I'm like, oh, I'd be. I'd get fat because I can't run around underground as much and I wouldn't enjoy it as much. It's like, ah, why do it? Yeah. Maybe. We'll revisit future. You might have a deal I can't refuse, mate. <laughs> no, there. You got any bloody stock tips? Can you give out stock tips? I mean- You can give out stock tips. It's like it's do stock. your own financial advice. Do What is it? Do your own research. D-Y-O-R. D-Y-O-R. The world uh, of acronyms we live in now. Yeah. What do you reckon? What, what should people have a look at? Um. Look- uh, obviously, the market's in a very interesting time with the war going on. So, I would say, yeah, if you want to position yourself for the supply chain impact of uh, Ukraine and Russia, Russia and Ukraine produce a lot of iron ore and nickel. So, I think those are sort of good roads to go in. And then gold as well. Because uh, of the risks sentiment. Yeah, I think gold, it's just, it's just like one of those commodities where everyone just a safe people call it a safe haven um so I, I would probably go down those route and another one is more of an off topic one it's probably like not off topic probably non people don't look at as much as palladium uh, and potash um uh, russia ukraine produce russia produces a lot of palladium one of the biggest players um ukraine a lot of ukraine and russia a lot of fertilizer as well um, so Where's it, what do they use palladium for uh catalytic catalytic converters yeah. so i think that's the majority of the where it goes into so that that's obviously used in cars and motor vehicles sorry um so but obviously that's going to change in the future with the mm. nickel nickel who's a palladium player yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so more a few more more popular in south south africa i would say i'm not sure but zimplats uh zim on the ASX, um, that's that's I hold yeah hold that and that's done twenty percent in the last couple of four weeks or so. Um, yeah, South they have a not sorry not South African Zimbabwean, um, yeah Zimbabwean play and then a potash play that I like is SHP South Hearts Potash, um, and then Iron Ore. Look, you just go with the majors. Mm. Like just go with the BHP Rios and they're also exposed to the other battery metals as well. And BHP is particularly exposed to nickel, the top 10 producer of nickel. So that's what I have my sort of thing in, iron ore plays and nickel, not yeah, iron ore, nickel, palladium and potash. And then the other one I like is West African Resources, WAF. Um, they put market cap of 1.2 billion. They produced about, I had 130, 140 million uh, cash flow coming in in the last quarterly. Uh, so in, in a fourth of a year, they've got quite, uh, you know, a ridiculous amount of cash to their what they're worth. So, and I think, you know, long-term wise, uh, 
West Africa and Africa, a lot of um, good high-grade deposits. Sorry, yeah, a lot of big deposits that, like, we can use some expertise, Western expertise, Australian expertise, and take, extract a lot of value. And those where they can, like, really maybe consolidate some assets and become bigger and bigger, which West African resources has done. Um, so I like that one as well. So, yeah, those are a few ones. Plenty going on. What about <laughs> FMG, like, with their... Guess their vision towards heading towards uh, heading more towards the greener side of mining. Yeah, should be on them there because they're going fucking four bucks to twenty, six bucks to twenty. They're bloody flying. Yeah, I think again, there's a bit of obviously they have a lot of vision vision about how they want to tackle the green uh, the green revolution and so on. Mm. But um, again, at the end of the day, making money from iron ore. Um, so I would say that is the cornerstone of their business. Um, and whether they can make that transition to the green energy, it still seems to be seen. They make a lot of commitments and he's, they, you know, they do, they try to make the biggest commitments. Um, but whether they can achieve them, that's, I think it's, it's, it's whether you want to take the risk about whether they, you, they, you think they can achieve them or not. So, you know, whether someone tells you they can pivot. They're going to change the entire business. That's just, and they're obviously very capable. But they're either right, the way, jury's yeah. out. Yeah, the jury's out. I don't know yet, but yeah, I would. That's sort of my take. Yeah, but oh, I do, bloody yeah. Chuck, bloody Chuck, labyrinth resources on your watch list, everyone. LRL, yes. you're looking for a gold play. Assay is coming. Yeah, fucking exciting stuff. Just put a bloody podcast out the other day. Mm-hmm. Bloody uh, yeah, there's there's my little gold play. Yeah. Bit of skin in the game, you'd say. <laughs> the miss, eh? You know the best thing I like about Ride the Wave? Tom Petrovsky fucking cover photo. <laughs> what a legend of the stock market. The beard, the concept. But the, 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 he's gone from, I remember early days, Tom Petrovsky, clean shaven, and he's just gradually taken on the Jesus look. Yeah. And he's got the big beard. Fucking legend. Got to yeah. get Tom Petrovsky on. Is he still like, doing the bloody Comsec things? I don't think so but wonder what he's up to get in touch tom i'll have you on oh it's got to be videoed because we've got to get the beard in there he's just like he's just fucking let himself go what a legend yeah Yeah, but he's always been the stock market every like he was a we had a mate at uni who was doing finance and we're like we always just joked around he's going to be the next tom petrovsky he's like he's a famous name yeah yeah quite fitting how do you get in the group if anyone wants to make an application? Oh, uh, probably. Or, or do you invite them? Yeah. Well, yeah. I normally have a contact. Yeah. I either meet them in real life or sometimes I poach some people on LinkedIn. Yeah. So if you get across to me on LinkedIn or Facebook, if you look for me, Eric Samuel, um, yeah. And then send me a message and you can go from there. There you go. It's like a fucking, I'm like a um, stock market Tinder on promote near. <laughs> How good is it? <laughs> Matchmaking is fun. <laughs> Isn't it? Ah, cheers for coming on. Cheers for coming around for a beer and giving me another episode. Love it. No problem. No, <laughs> good fun. Yeah. That was good. I'm talking about soccer. Oh, fuck. Mrs. says, you just love money. Oh, fucking love money. That is like <laughs> my, I love it as much as me misses and me kids, I think. The I, thought it, of making it. Yeah. It's such an interesting field as well. Like, again, every year something happens, whether it's COVID or Russian russian ukraine war um like something's always so dynamic with it that i think it's like it's addicting it is (laughs) it's really addictive i love it (laughs) dangerous right bros 
All right. Cheers, Mike. Thank you, Matt. <laughs>